Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What would it take for Dame to win a chip in Portland? Leave Portland. This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the World Championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom! Chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now. The Blazers win in four overtime. 140 to 137. Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. What in the hell are people drinking during this quarantine that we're living through? I'm mostly talking about ESPN's Stephen A. Smith. I need, I need to react to that hot take of his about Dame Dalla and a ring. I am sick of hearing national prognosticators talking about stars on my favorite teams needing to leave their teams to win a ring. I'm a huge Seattle Mariners fan, and forever, forever baseball writers were talking about the Mariners needing to trade Felix Hernandez so he could go be successful somewhere else. Now, I'm pissed he didn't make it to the playoffs, but it would have been even worse if he went, say, to the Yankees and then they won a title. So same thing applies to Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. I hate watching my favorite team's big stars leave, and I will give you my opinion on what Stephen A. Smith had to say about Dame and the chip. Also, a report out there that says the NBA has chosen Disney World in Orlando as the frontrunner for a site to restart the league from. I'm still not convinced it's safe, and it sounds like some of the players don't either. Put yourself in their shoes. Would you want to resume playing in a pandemic-filled world that we're still living in right now? Simply put, would you, if you were them? It's a good question. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you, episode 20 of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one sports podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hey, if you want to tell me I'm crazy, I heard something I said on the show you agree or disagree with, hit me up on Twitter, on the air Jordan with an O. This show available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. So, it's official. The NBA is eyeing Disney World as the location for restarting the league. That's according to a report from CBS Sports. Uh, The news, though, is about the location only, and there still hasn't been much movement on whether or not the league can restart or when it can restart. Hearing, though, the NBA is very serious about trying to get going, uh, Disney World reportedly working already to clear up some of its hotel spaces for the potential housing of the NBA and its needs. So the league sounds very serious. And, of course, they want to do everything they can to get the season finished. A lot on the line, a lot of money on the line, too. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say uh, the most likely scenario if they did get the season going, is just picking it up from the beginning of the playoffs and getting a championship crowned as quick as possible. We're just too deep into May at this point to try and fit 16 games in, then go and start the playoffs. Commissioner Adam Silver told the Board of Governors that the hope is that games would tip off in mid-July. That's actually the first uh, news of a timeline we've actually gotten. Uh, We don't know if that can happen, though. That, of course, would mean that going forward, the NBA season would be permanently pushed back to the start of around Christmas each year. And that's actually been talked about before. 
So that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But if this did happen, like the NBA expects it to, the landscape and the look of the league could change forever. So little by little, we're getting more info about a possible restart to the season, uh, not just for the NBA, but for Major League Baseball as well. While you have some people like LeBron James, Chris Paul, uh, even Mavs owner Mark Cuban, who support playing if conditions are safe, others, uh, a couple of retired players like Shaquille O'Neal and Reggie Miller, are absolutely against it. They just don't think that it can safely go down. I I tend to lean towards that camp. Mike Trout, a star center fielder for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim next to Disneyland in California uh, at a Major League Baseball, he is very concerned about safety as well. He's got a a pregnant wife at home. He thinks that trying to keep coronavirus from spreading between players and employees uh, is almost impossible. And then trying to quarantine people, if they do get it, that's going to be impossible. Uh, Simply put, Leagues cannot guarantee player and employee safety right now. There is nothing that you can do to completely prevent the spread of coronavirus until we have a vaccine. Are players going to be okay with that? Hearing from Mike Trout, it sounds like no. So I highly doubt that they would want to just be set up in one location away from families for two, three, four months or being forced to be with their families with the danger of spreading the coronavirus. A lot of the headlines I've seen out there about sports starting up again are just very optimistic. They assume that players will be okay with whatever plan the leagues come up with, and these headlines don't really talk about the possibility of coronavirus spreading. The stories themselves, they only seem to talk about testing and the massive number of tests that would even need to happen to congregate together for an extended period of time. Nowhere have I seen a plan in place for what happens when someone tests positive for COVID-19 or how leagues would handle that. That cannot be the very last piece of the plan. Do you know why I think that it hasn't really been out there publicly or there haven't been too many details about it? Well, in my opinion, it's because it's not able to be done in an environment like that. Simply put, I just don't think it's possible. Italy, for example, they allowed a soccer match to go on uh, just before they shut the country down in March. I believe this was at the end of February. That one game turned out to be a Petri dish for infection and the spreading of the coronavirus. 35% of one team got coronavirus at that game. Fans and even journalists came down with it as well. Even without fans, I just don't think that leagues can guarantee player safety and stop the spread of coronavirus. And if they can't do that, the NBA just needs to shut down the season. Whether Disney World is ready to host them or not, just got to shut it down. That's my opinion. All right, switching gears, before we get to this week in Blazers history, Stephen A. Smith from ESPN had a very hot take uh, this week about Damian Lillard. I'm just going to play the sound and react afterwards. It's kind of frustrating. What would it take for Dame to win a chip in Portland? Leave Portland. That's what it would take. (laughs) He needs to leave Portland, period. I love him and C.J. McCollum together. They are an elite backcourt. I don't believe the two of them together, based on how the league is constructed, 
can win a championship together in Portland. So one of them has got to go for you to acquire great assets for the other to be to shine without having to share the basketball. All right. As simply as I can put this, Damian Lillard does not have to leave Portland to win a championship, period. He does not. Totally disagree with you, Stephen A. The, the Portland Trailblazers, they're not a big market team, nor have they ever won a ton of titles, become that destination team for free agents. I mean, a lot of factors go into the fact that they're just not. Uh, you want to talk about the geography. They're trapped up here in the Pacific Northwest. Everybody talks about the rain, although it still rains way more per day in New York on average than it does in Portland, Oregon. Look it up. They get way more water there in the Northeast, but no one cares because it's New York, and somehow New York's just awesome. I still don't understand that, and I, growing up on the West Coast, uh, I never will. But Damian Lillard, has been very public about the facts, these multiple facts, that A, he loves Portland, B, wants to spend his entire career here, and C, he wants to be the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time. So, despite all of the things knocking Portland, Damian absolutely loves it and loves playing for the Trailblazers. And in my opinion, he's raised the national profile of the Blazers with how well he's played in the last decade. Still, though, of course, they aren't the Lakers, they aren't the Warriors, and they never will be. But it's worth pointing out that the Lakers and the Warriors don't win every single year. I know it seems like it, but hey, just last season, the Toronto Raptors beat out the Warriors with Kawhi Leonard. Of course, the Golden State Warriors were down uh, to their last leg by that point. I I get it, all right? So you got to understand, though, year to year, things can be different. It's not just the dynasties winning. Even last year, the Toronto Raptors are proof of that. You go back all the way to 2004, the Detroit Pistons able to get over on Phil Jackson and the Lakers. So while not probable, I think it's definitely possible for Damian Lillard to win a title in Portland, as long as as he gets the right supporting cast and everything comes together during that same season. And I know that's kind of what Stephen A. is talking about, the ability for Portland to pay a supporting cast alongside Damian and CJ. I mean, it almost happened last year. And if the Blazers weren't so tired and they had a legit third scoring option in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors, in my opinion, it would have been them in the finals instead of Golden State. So I I will give Stephen A. Smith credit for part of what he said. Dame and CJ on this team together, they do hamstring Neil O'Shea's ability to add more valuable assets, add an extra role player or two, because here in a couple of years, they're both going to be making 50 million bucks a season. Defense, for them, not really a strong point. No one really thinks that Lillard and McCollum are elite defenders, so that is definitely a strike against them. And I know that fact alone really hurts their chances at a title. Still, though, I don't think Stephen A. Smith can say for sure that Damian Lillard needs to leave to win one. I just don't. It's very doable for Neil O'Shea and the Portland Trailblazers. Their championship window is now. Now until the end of Damian Lillard's prime. And I personally need them to win one so I can stop hearing about the 77 title every year on its anniversary. It's been 43 years, Rip City. That was awesome, but let's win another one, and I don't think Dame has to leave to do so. Okay, basketball fans, switching gears one more time. It is time for my favorite segment every week. It's This Week in Blazers History. 
If you're new to the podcast, this is time that we spend highlighting a moment or player very important to the history of the Portland Trailblazers. This week's subject, oh my goodness, basketball fans, it is a doozy. I love it. Charles Barkley, Sir Charles, one of the coolest and best NBA players of all time, currently an analyst uh, for TNT and, of course, a Hall of Fame power forward. He was recently on Zach Lowe's podcast on ESPN. I think it's called The Low Post. Uh, search for it. It's really cool. Zach Lowe, L-O-W-E. Uh, Charles Barkley on there talking about something that I did not know about. He recently told Zach Lowe he wanted to be a Portland Trailblazer back in 1992. That's right. Charles Barkley demanded a trade from the Philadelphia 76ers, then making it known that he wanted to join Clyde Drexler and company in Portland to make another run at an NBA championship. He spent 16 years in the league, averaged 22 points a game, 11 boards, just absolute stud. Here is Charles Barkley telling the story himself. The summer before, I fly to Portland, Oregon. So the, the Blazers have a terrific team, but when it's, uh, they got four or five All-Stars and they got part of the defense bench in the league. So in the middle of the summer, I fly to Portland and meet with the general manager. I can't remember his name right now. We talked about it on the show a couple of years ago, and the Trailblazers sent me a check. I said, they owe me $1,275. That's the number. It was right around there. They owe me from flying to Philadelphia to Portland. I said, yeah, because Portland was my first choice because Portland had enough talent to give up for me and we still be a contender. They had lost to the Bulls uh, in the finals, but they were loaded, man, top to bottom. But the one thing they didn't have is a half-court game. Like They were great as long as the game was going up and down. I said, I'd be the final piece to the puzzle. So Charles Barkley, one of the best rebounders in NBA history and also one of the most efficient power forwards ever uh, to play basketball, he flew out to Portland to talk with Jeff Petrie. That was who... The Blazers GM at the time was all by himself. Sir Charles representing himself to do this. In his mind, he was the final piece for a team that had just lost to Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Finals. So how did this conversation with Blazers GM Jeff Petrie go for Charles? We all know he never got traded, uh, but listen to Barkley break down why himself. So I flew out there, spent about three hours with the general manager. I said, look, these are the players on your team here. You give up three or four of these guys, we still going to have the nucleus to be contenders. He thought about it, called me the next day. Because I was on, I think I, I flew out there, met with him and flew back, something like that. And he called me the next day and he said, Charles, we're going to stick with our guys. And I said, you know, man, y'all not going to win because the game's going to slow down in the fourth quarter. And you're going to need a low-post guy. And I said, I'm going to be better for anybody you got. I'm going to be the best rebounder you got. So you guys going to be able to run even more. Uh, but that's the only time I personally heard got involved in my own negotiations. Wow. I'm stunned. So Charles Barkley wanted to come to Portland so bad that he was representing himself throughout the process. Sure, he didn't end up with the Blazers, but as a fan of Rip City... I love this. This just does this give you goosebumps, fans? It does me. It literally makes me sleep easier 
knowing that Sir Charles really, really wanted to play with Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter. I really want to know, too, exactly why Jeff Petrie didn't do that deal. I want to know exactly who Jeff Petrie wanted to keep and not give up. I guess that's the real bone thrown in in this situation here, right? Who would the Blazers have had to give up to get Charles Barkley? Buck Williams, Clifford Robinson, uh, they would have most likely been included in a deal like that. I'm just speculating, though. You had guys a little less valuable deeper on the bench. Mark Bryant, uh, then Danny Ainge, who was more just a shooter. Maybe those guys could have been included. Heck, uh, Kevin Duckworth, Blazers' very famous center, double zero before Carmelo Anthony. He was traded a year later for Harvey Grant from the Bullets, so Duck could have been a good piece to move in a trade uh, for... Charles Barkley. The Blazers, of course, went on after getting defeated in the 92 finals by the Bulls in 93 to lose to the San Antonio Spurs in the first round of the playoffs. If you go back and look, the main reason they lost came from their lack of scoring in the fourth quarter in those games. Almost the entire series, they were just terrible in the fourth quarter. And one of the reasons that happened is because the Blazers could not play any game but an up-tempo game. And that's exactly what Charles Barkley was saying to Jeff Petrie, talking about how he could make them better at the time. Also, one of the things that Blazers fans may forget about that Blazers-Bulls final series is that Coach Rick Edelman had to bench Kevin Duckworth late in Game 4. He had to go small because Kevin Duckworth just could not do much offensively on Bill Cartwright. Cartwright just absolutely handling him. The Blazers of that era were a run-and-gun type of offense, and like I just said, they kept the tempo high. I I think Barkley is spot on. His ability to grab boards, they would have allowed the Blazers to keep their tempo up or at least given them a different look for other teams to compete against. I know it's a huge what-if, fans, huge what-if. Like, this is just crazy fantasy land right now, but it is damn fun talking about the possibility of Charles Barkley uh, and what could have been if he were added to an elite team at the time that included Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, and Jerome Kersey as well. Wow. What a cool story. I loved hearing about this. But all we can do now, unfortunately, as Blazers fans, is add it to the list of things that could have been for Portland. Did Jeff Petrie screw this one up in your minds? Do you think he should have traded for Charles Barkley? NBA Hall of Fame power forward, one of the best in the game, literally one of the most efficient power forwards in the game, 22 points, 11 boards over his 16-year career. Just insane. You look at that and you say, absolutely, he should have. But honestly, who were the pieces that he would have had to give up? I can't confidently say that Jeff Petrie actually made a mistake. The Blazers were a great team, one of the best teams ever that hasn't won a championship from that era. And who knows? if uh, the Philadelphia 76ers were trying to get somebody like Terry Porter. If you can make the deal, if you're Jeff Petrie and you can make the deal without giving Jerome Kersey up or Terry Porter, absolutely I'd make that deal in a heartbeat. But otherwise, I don't think it's a smart move. I wouldn't have given up Terry Porter or Jerome Kersey so you can keep marching to the NBA Finals like Charles Barkley wanted to. So I wouldn't make that deal if you had to give any of those guys up. There you go, Blazers fans. Charles Barkley was so close to becoming a Portland Trailblazer in 1992, and that is a very worthy subject of this week in Blazers history.
Well, that's a wrap on episode 20 of Believe in Trailblazers. Wow, fans, we have made it 20 episodes, five months of Blazers talk coming at you every week from Believe in Trailblazers. Thank you for finding the show, and we really hope to continue to produce some good content. Uh, Still expecting to add a former Portland Trailblazer player uh, alongside with me to host every week. That would obviously uh, just make the show much more fun. But until then, I'm going to be coming at you with great Blazers and NBA content every week. If you have any burning questions about the team you want answered, you think I'm crazy as well, lots of people do. Hit me up on Twitter, on the air, Jordan with an O. This show available wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Please, please, please hit that download button and subscribe wherever you listen. You can also find the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. That's all for now, Blazers fans. Please continue to stay healthy even as stuff is opening up and continue to wash your hands. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.